welcome to the North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm excited to be here today, and I know sometimes the way that the Holy Spirit works is he sends in uh, some twists and turns our way that are totally unexpected, but absolutely needed. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit has something that he wants to share with you today. Uh, He's challenging me with a lot of this today as well. But I believe today what we're going to be talking about is one of the most important things that you and I could live out as family members, that you and I could live out as Christians and completely, uh, you know, changes our lives, but also eternity kind of hangs on the balance of it as well. And I'm just going to share a scripture and then just talk to you about what room we are talking about today as well. But here's kind of a foundational scripture today. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, and I'm just going to read it from the screen here. It says, uh, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so it's kind of a tough verse. And so today we're going to just be talking a little bit about that and forgiveness, but we are relating it to one of our rooms, and today it is the storage room. The storage room. Anybody got a storage room in the house? Where are you at? Anybody got a storage room that needs cleaned out a little bit? Oh yeah. Everybody who had their hand up has their hand up still. That's it. We're talking about the storage room, and I think it's just kind of funny and interesting that we live in a culture today that it's the norm to collect so much stuff and to collect so much junk that we need a designated spot in our home just to store it. Not that we ever really are going to need it or use it. In fact, many of the boxes have been sitting for years and years and years untouched in our storage room, but homes, like we are a society that needs a designated spot just to store our stuff, our things, even things that we never will use, right? Um, And I can tell you about the last few places I've lived, uh, the storage spots, In fact, Kayla and I, my wife, have a a home here in Hastings, and one of the things we loved about our home is it had some good storage space. We're like, whoa, look at all the totes and boxes we could store over here. This is awesome. And so, like, we, we love our storage space. And so, sure enough, we move in, and about an hour after we move in, that storage space is already filled up. You know what I mean? Like, this is just how we operate and how we work, and it's nice to have space to store our things. Um, But do you know how many times we've actually looked through those totes and boxes? It's been like eight months, and I can tell you maybe one time we've opened up those things, and it wasn't even because we wanted it. We were looking for something, and we thought maybe it would be in there, and it wasn't. You know, like we don't ever even look at it. And I can tell you in Oklahoma City, we lived there about five and a half years, and in Oklahoma, none of the homes have basements. Like the clay is too hard, and so nobody has basements. In fact, when I start talking to them about, uh, tell some of my friends, hey, we have a basement here, you can come and stay, stay with us, and they're like, why would you put me in the basement? That's horrible. I'm not staying with you if you put me in the basement. I'm like, man, it, okay, Oklahoma's, they just don't understand if they've never seen some of these other places. But, so they don't have basements, but you know what they do have as storage rooms? An attic. An attic. Anybody ever crawled up storing stuff in an attic right now? Come on. Not too many because we have storage rooms, but let me tell you, this attic you pull down on a rope and it's this trifold ladder, right? It's the scariest, most sketchiest ladder you've ever seen in your life. And you pull it down and somehow it stays together and you kind of test it like, okay, I think, I think it'll hold. Let's give it a shot. And so you put a box on your shoulder and you have to drag it up this, these super steep stairs into this little hole up into the ceiling. And you get up there and it's about 527 degrees. 
It is so hot. Instantly you're dripping sweat. And you look around and you can't even stand up. But you have to do like the bear crawl shuffle. And you got to move these boxes by crawling. You got to store them. And then you go back down. And you do this to all these boxes full of stuff that you're never even going to use or look at for another five or six years. In fact, we moved stuff up into our attic. And we, the only time we saw it again was when we moved. The day we moved, we did not get back up there. And, and those boxes many times have been nothing but a source of frustration uh, from time to time. But um, even my wife, my wife Kayla, she has some totes full of just about every grade school project she's ever done. Just tons of crafts and like coloring and, and the little baby things. And finally I open these totes and I'm looking through and I'm like, babe, why do we need a picture of a turtle that you colored when you were in kindergarten? I don't get it. Why, why do you keep this stuff? And she's like, well, I don't know. My, my mom held on to it and kept it, so I thought I might as well keep it too, right? I'm like, man, you are, I guess. I don't know. Let's, let's store it away. Right? That's what we do. And, and so uh, today, uh, I think one of the things, kind of the concept of storage room that I want to talk about is just something that, that we can all say that's true for most of our storage rooms. And if we were truthful, we would just admit that our storage rooms are full of things that we should have let go of a long time ago. They're full of things that we should have let go of a long time ago. And so I wonder if today we're living our lives the same way, that we are holding on to some things in our lives that we should have let go of a long time ago ago. And as that scripture we just read a little bit ago, it talks about forgiveness. In fact, uh, when you look up in the dictionary what it means to forgive, you know what it'll tell you? It says, uh, when, you, when you look up forgiveness, it means to lay aside. To lay aside. And so essentially, the choice is ours, in our hearts, in our minds. We have the choice to store it, to pick it up and hold on to it, hold on to hurt, bitterness, anger, and maybe someone's here and you've been hurt deeply. And there's lots of frustration every time you think about that person. There's lots of anger to the point of every time you, you think of them or if you see them, it just boils inside of you and it just ruins your day to see this person. And, but but it, the scripture tells us it's our choice to either hold on to that or to lay it aside. And so I, I'm just gonna challenge us today that, that our lives can get full of things that, that we should have let go of a long time ago. And maybe you're here, and maybe one of the things that you've picked up was uh, an offense. Man, somebody offended you. They said something. They did something to you. And so you pick it up, and you carry it around with you, and now you're, you have it as part of your life. And you're, you're just holding on to it, just throwing it. Maybe it's anger and resentment that comes from, from something that somebody said to you, to your face. It's like, oh, I can't stand them. And so I am just going to hold on to this hurt. But all of these things fall under kind of that bigger umbrella, the big box that I would say this would be the big box of unforgiveness, of unforgiveness. And instead of dealing with it, instead of laying it aside, we hold on to it. We hold on to it for far too long. And sometimes we even think we, we can't hold on to it. Like it's okay to hold on to this because what they did was so bad, I am, I am not gonna change my mind until they give me an apology. We've all heard that, and maybe they deserve to apologize to you. But here's the truth. Here's what I want you to catch today. To refuse to forgive someone until they admit that they are sorry is to make yourself a prisoner to the very person who has hurt you. It's to make yourself a prisoner. Now you're saying my joy, my happiness, my future is tied to their actions. 
even though there's somebody who's hurt me. And Christ is saying, no, don't, don't, don't live that way. Don't live that way. Don't tie your joy to somebody else. Don't tie your, your happiness, your future to them by carrying this stuff around. Learn to just lay it aside. And it's hard and it's tough and it's easier said than done because some of you are looking at this and you're thinking, you just want me to let them go free after what they did? I'm telling you, no. I want you to be free even after what they did. I want you to experience a freedom that can only come through the simple act of forgiveness. And some of us, we have a storage room full of hurts and offenses and and things that, that, that people have done to us and we just wear it on our sleeve. Like everybody knows, everybody knows I can't stand this person and every time I see him, it is going down and like sometimes we have this storage room that everybody knows about but other times we have this secret storage room, this storage room that only we know about, that we think things about people or we say things about people and if we were bolder, we would post things but we don't. Uh, But whatever it is, today I just want to ask you or, or just show you that these emotions, these things, these thoughts, these feelings, holding on to these offenses aren't doing anything except hurting. They're not doing anything except hurting us. And like our storage room, I think there are some things that we've been holding on to for far too long that God wants to help us get rid of. He wants to help us get rid of them today. So it's time to just let go and take the advice from Elsa from Frozen and let it go. Let it go. I'm not going to sing it. Y'all would leave if I started singing, so I am not going to sing. But let go of the bitterness. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the anger. Let go of the resentment that's inside of your heart. Let it go. Let it go. Because you don't have, I want you to know today, you don't have to carry around these boxes of hurt, these boxes of anger. You don't have to carry these things around with you any more. Today you can lay them aside through the power of forgiveness. And you can experience the freedom that comes with it. Because here's the truth, and here's the thing that I found true um, just on any and everything. It says this, you will never feel great about yourself when you feel poorly towards others. You'll never feel truly great about yourself when you feel poorly towards others. And so as long as you have this storage room where you're holding on to these things and these hurts, and I get it, sometimes we think we deserve to hold on to it because we don't understand uh, what they did to us. You don't understand how bad it is. But as long as we're holding on to these things, I, I would suggest that we can't truly feel great about ourselves in the process. And I understand it because uh, it is a day and age, the 21st century, where it is so easy to pick up an offense, right? It's so easy to get mad and upset and angry about anybody. You post something wrong, you've offended somebody. Uh, You say something wrong, you've offended somebody. You look at somebody wrong, you have offended somebody. You know what I mean? You drive behind somebody slow, they have offended you. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, this is just a thought, but I think somewhere in First Opinions 10, 15, uh, the Bible or it's not a real book, just by the way. But um, I think it says something like, it's better to drive 10 over the speed limit than 10 under the speed limit. All right, you know what I mean? Where are my people at? Okay, there we go. You're like, yeah, I think so. I think so. But uh, we know the frustration of driving behind somebody slow. I remember when I was in Oklahoma, I'm driving behind this person. It is a 35, and they are going about 20. And you know how it is. We get anxious, and we're already late anyways. It's our own fault, but we're anxious and we're trying to get there and we're like oh I should just pass them but I'm not going to I should honk on the horn but that day I'm like you know what I'm just going to be patient Lord teach me patience 
right? And she's going 20 and a 35. And finally, the stoplight's up there. I'm like, okay, good. Well, I'm about to get past this lady. All is going to be great. And we get to this red light. And I don't know if you know this. Um, it's kind of this cool thing, but she didn't know this. But you can turn right on a red light. You can turn on those things. So she t- pulls up to this red light, and her blinker is turning right. There is nobody coming. And I'm like, is this lady going to go? So I give her the little love tap, you know, the pop up. Like, hey, I'm here. You can go. Nothing. So a little bit later, pop, pop, pop. <laughs> She's not moving. Until finally, I get so frustrated, I'm just like, bah. You know, you just lay on it. And she did not budge until that light turned green. That light turned green, and now I'm angry, and I'm frustrated, and I zip around, and I pull up right beside her, and I give her the stare down. You know what I'm saying? I gave her the stare down, and it was funny because she didn't even acknowledge me. And as I look, it's, it's this sweet, kind, little old lady. Like, she had a smile on her face like she was just loving life. I'm like, wow. And she never once looked at me, so finally I went along, and I was angry. I was frustrated. I was upset. But you know what? My anger didn't affect her one bit. It didn't affect her one bit, but it sure affected me. I was the one affected. I was the one that felt it moving forward. And so today when I'm talking to you about forgiveness, I'm not telling you necessarily to forgive for their sake. I'm telling you to forgive for your sake. For your sake. You need it. Uh, It'll help you, and especially with families. The more I, I talk to families and see family relationships, the more I realize that families need to learn forgiveness. In fact, I would I would say that families need to learn to forgive daily and forgive freely. Free, man, it's free. You know what? Let's just practice forgiveness today. Forgive every day. In fact, I don't think it's a coincidence that in uh, the Bible, Jesus, when he tells his disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer, remember he tells them the Lord's Prayer. Many of us know the Lord's Prayer. But he says, when you pray, pray like this. And he goes through it, and then towards the end he says, give us this day our daily bread. So daily, there's the word daily, like every day. Uh, we're, we're praying this. God, thank you for, for our bread daily. And then the very next verse says, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us forgive daily forgive freely it's a central theme all throughout scripture Uh, the reason we have life in christ is because he forgives right there's hope that comes with forgiveness there's hope that comes with forgiveness in your life because forgiveness uh here's what it does forgiveness breaks down walls and builds bridges Breaks down walls and builds bridges. Some of us were here today, and we have so many walls between us and our spouse, so many walls between us and our family, us and our in-laws, us and our, our kids, whoever it is. But we have, there are so many walls up between us that we look at it and we think, man, this is hopeless. We haven't talked in years. We can't stand the sight of each other. I don't know if there's ever anything that could happen that will change our situation. But I want you to know there is hope because forgiveness is powerful. It's powerful. Uh, In fact, I want to talk, look at Scripture and talk about two relationships that are restored with forgiveness. Because when we learn to forgive, it breaks down that wall and instead builds a bridge where that relationship can be restored. So the first relationship is it restores a relationship with family, with family. And we, many of you know all too well that the closer you are to someone, uh, the easier it is for them to hurt you deeply and the harder it can be for, for us to forgive them. 
Like someone in between services even told me, he said, you know, sometimes it's easier for me to forgive my enemies who, who I'll never see than it is to forgive my own family who lives with me every day. I'm like, man, that's, that's true. That's true. But I want to look at the, uh, the story of Joseph in the Bible, and I want you to see that there's another side of forgiveness. And I want you to see what life looked like on the other side of forgiveness for Joseph, and just how I want you to imagine what life could be like for you on the other side of forgiveness. And so I'm just going to kind of summarize his story. Uh, Joseph, he's daddy's favorite, right? He gets a colorful coat. His brothers cannot stand him. They can't even stand the sight of him. In fact, one day he's coming down uh, to see his brothers, and the brothers look at him and say, look, here comes that son. They don't even acknowledge him as a brother. They say, here comes that son. I don't own him as a brother. They're not, he's not my family. Some of us have had those conversations, right? But here comes that son. Let's kill him. And they literally, they were talking, I don't want to talk to him, I don't want to see him, let's kill him and just wipe him, be done with him. And eventually they come to the conclusion that instead of killing him, we'll throw him into a pit, we'll sell him into slavery, which is exactly what they did. Ripped off his coat, threw him down in a pit, and sold him as a slave. And so for years, he served in Potiphar's house as a servant, until one day Potiphar's wife falsely accused him, and now he went from being a servant to being in prison for years and years. Years as a servant, years in the prison, all along. Uh, here, Joseph's attitude was, I'm not going to let this prison keep me down and keep me out. But the prison actually prepared him for the palace that was coming because uh, then Pharaoh, all in command, top, top dog of all of Egypt, comes and, and sees Joseph. And Joseph interprets a dream for Pharaoh. Pharaoh places Joseph, takes him from the prison, puts him as second in command over all of Egypt. All of Egypt, and one of his duties was to be in charge of all the distribution of food because a famine was coming. And when this famine came, it was severe, and everybody had to come to Joseph to receive food. And so then one day came when guess who showed up right in front of Joseph, second in command, his brothers, asking for food. And if this is me, my brothers who threw me in a pit, my brothers who betrayed me, my brothers who talked about killing me right in front of me or right there. You know what I would do? I wouldn't forgive them. I don't think, maybe I would. I hope I would. But I would be like, hey, you, let, you know what, let's spend the next 10 years for you being on uh, poo duty for my royal horses. You just follow them around. You, you can clean my royal latrine for the next five years. Just go ahead. Just get it, get it. You know, like, I would do something like that. But Joseph, Joseph chooses to forgive his brothers that hurt him so much. And here's one thing that, that I want you to know. Um, forgiveness is always a choice. Forgiveness, the other side of forgiveness for you might be a conversation. It might be an apology. It might be working on a relationship. But it always is a choice. It's always a choice. And uh, so his, Joseph's relationship with his family was non-existent up until this point. Yet Joseph chooses to forgive him. There's kind of a back and forth for a little while, but ultimately he chooses to forgive. And I wonder, how could he do that? See, I wonder if years before he was in this moment, years before his brother stood before him and he had a choice to either get even or to lay it aside, to pick up the box and store it and hold on to it or to let it go. I wonder if years before that, when he was a servant uh, in Potiphar's house, I wonder if he, his attitude and heart began to change a little bit. I wonder if God worked on him, and, and when he started thinking about his brothers and his family and what they did to him, he didn't experience as much anger, bitterness, and resentment. But I wonder if there was a time when he started saying, God, bless them. 
Lord, they really hurt me, and I, I know I'm where I'm at today because of what they did, but Lord, even, even though, bless them. And the reason I wonder that is because you can't hold on to something like unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and have them standing right in front of you and choose to forgive unless already in your heart you've kind of made that choice. You've already kind of made that, mo- my, that up your mind. Because our mind is also like a storage room, right? And we need to get rid of some of the thoughts, some of the anger. We need to clean that out from time to time. I, I would suggest that Joseph did that because it's one thing to say you forgive, but it's a whole other thing to show it and display it in a moment. Remember our, our scripture, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. I'm just going to read it for you again here. Um, it says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Pastor Chris calls this a what-if verse. And from time to time, he talks about it, and he'll share a verse, and he'll say, you know what? What if this is true? What if we just take this verse at what it says? What if it's true, and if you and I hold on to unforgiveness and hold on to anger and bitterness and resentment and hatred, then our Heavenly Father can't forgive our sins. Some of us today, we are holding on, but today I want you to know there's hope. There is hope on the other side of forgiveness. I want you to see what the other side of forgiveness looked like for Joseph, and then just imagine what the other side of forgiveness could look like for you for your family, for among your coworkers, whatever it is, wherever it is that you need it. But here's what happens. Genesis 45, his brothers, there's kind of a back and forth exchange, but finally it came a moment where he couldn't take it anymore. He sends everybody out. It's just him and his brothers. And it says that he uh, could no longer control himself, so he cried out, and he told everyone who he was. He told them, I am your brother, Genesis 45, verse 2. And then it says, he broke down and he wept. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. The brothers are speechless. They're like, what? Really? This is, oh, the Joseph, the same Joseph that we tried to murder. They didn't know what to do. But it's funny, they were speechless until Joseph said this phrase, it wasn't you who put me here, but it was God. But it was God. He didn't blame them. He didn't get even with them, even though he could have. But instead, he wept and realized that God is still in control. And today, some of you maybe need to realize this, that God is always in control, not the person who hurts you. God is in control, not the person who hurts you. But when we refuse to forgive that person who did hurt us, you know what we do? We give them control. We give them control of our thoughts, of our attitudes, of our actions. And basically, it's like we're giving, we're allowing them to live rent-free in our mind. No. God is saying, you know, no, no, don't give them that control. Don't give them that control. Give God control of your life. And this is what Joseph was saying. God is in control, not that person who hurt you. And then verse 14 and 15 give us an awesome picture of a family restored by the power of forgiveness. And here's what it says in verses 14 and 15. Weeping with joy, Joseph embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Uh, then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them, and after that, they began talking freely with him. The brothers that couldn't even stand the sight of him are now talking freely. Sometimes just talking with family is going to be a huge step. You know what I mean? But now they're talking freely with him. A relationship restored. A family back together. And that's the power of forgiveness. And that's what forgiveness can do to your family. It can break down some of those walls, some of those hurts, and it can build a bridge 
to a relationship that you didn't think could exist again? What does the other side of forgiveness look like for you? Maybe for us, some of us have hurt people and we need to apologize. Maybe the other side of forgiveness for you is that you've been carrying around just this anger and resentment for far too long and it's time for you to just say, you know what, instead of cursing them every time I think about them or see them, I'm going to start blessing them. I'm going to lay it aside, lay this anger aside and I'm going to start blessing them. Even though I don't think they deserve it, but that's the same grace Christ gave us. So lay it aside. Maybe you need to just pray for that person who hurts you instead of talking bad about them. And I'm not saying forgiveness means becoming best friends with people because there are some bad, bad situations, some evil people in this world that could have hurt you, stole from you, cheated you deeply. I'm not saying forgiveness means becoming best friends with somebody who, who did something horrible to you, but I'm saying that getting to the place to where what they did doesn't eat you up from the inside out because you learn to say, you know what, God, you're still in control, so I'm gonna lay this aside and trust in you. See, it's our choice. It's our choice to pick up the box or not. It's our choice to choose to dwell on the negative or pursue the positive. So it's your choice today. You, you can either hold on to it, you can store it, or you can forgive, which means lay it aside. It's up to you. Here's a great test, a great test for us uh, to, to see if we have or can forgive is, can you pray for them to truly be blessed? It's a great test of forgiveness. See, there's so much things that we hold on to, and every time we think about it, it's always negative, it's always hateful, hurtful. But can you get to the place where you can lay it aside and say, you know what, Christ died for them just like he died for me, and even what they did was completely wrong. God, will you bless them? God, will you draw them to your heart? God, will you restore them back to you? See, your heart wasn't meant to be a museum. Museums specialize in collecting things and stuff and keeping them for a really, really, really long time. Like the longer you keep them, the better it is. No, your heart was not made that way. You were not created that way. You weren't made to collect and be a storeroom. Uh, you were created to lay it aside, to forgive and move forward. Forgive and move forward. Uh, I remember a time my dad taught me this lesson of how just the power of forgiveness restores a relationship on the spot. And it's kind of a lighthearted illustration, like it's not super uh, crazy or powerful, but uh, it does get across this, this, this point of just how powerful forgiveness can be, even in a moment, even in a lighthearted moment. Um, so me and my dad my, and my family, we were actually watching Ripley's Believe It or Not. You guys remember that old show, Ripley's Believe It or Not? And there was this guy on there, coolest guy ever. He could take a playing card and throw it like a ninja star. Awesome. It would like, it would cut into watermelons and cut up fruit. I'm like, this guy is genius. This is awesome. And so I, of course, go and I get out the playing cards and I start trying to throw these things like daggers across the room. And if you've ever tried to do this, it goes about six inches and then goes, flutters to the ground. And I'm trying and I'm trying. And so every time, and just flutters to the ground. And that is until I turn towards my dad, who's about eight feet from me, and I go, yeah. And it was the perfect ninja star playing card that I've ever seen. Like, and it comes towards him and he turns, oh, yells, and it slaps him all the way across from the neck to the middle of his cheek. And I just start dying laughing. And as I'm laughing, I'm watching, and it's almost instantly on his face, a giant long welt starts popping up. And listen, my dad, you gotta understand, he's a pastor. He's a pastor, so like he doesn't hardly blow up. But you know, as soon as this happened, ouch, you jerk. Ah, you're nothing but a big jerk. Why would you do that? You're a jerk. I'm like, okay, Dad, I get it. I'm a jerk. 
sorry, you know, like, he just was like, ah, angry, upset in that moment, like, he was so mad, and um, maybe you're here, and you've seen somebody or made someone so mad, and again, mine's kind of a lighthearted take, but maybe yours is a little more serious, where you've seen someone so upset and so mad that they did something you never thought they would do. Maybe a family member, someone in your life, they did something that you never thought they would do, and you can't believe that they would do it. In that moment, my dad did something I never thought he would do. Some of you think, did he cuss? No, he didn't cuss. But in my family, my dad, every single time he went golfing, without a doubt, every single time he would beg me or or, or Chris or one of my family members, he would beg us to go golfing with him. Never would he go golfing without first talking to us. Please, come on, guys, let's go golfing. RJ, grab your clubs, let's go, let's go. And a lot of times I'm like, yeah, okay. And a lot of times I'm like, no, it's okay, I don't want to go right now. But every single time he would always beg us, he would always try to get us to go golfing with him. This was the one time that I saw him march downstairs, grab his golf clubs and march back upstairs and leave to go golfing without me. And I'm like, I can't believe, that is like a slap in the face. (laughs) You just went golfing without saying a word to me. Like he was just so upset in that moment. And it's funny because he showed up about 15 minutes later. I'm like, dad, what? What happened? He said, there was a tournament out there, so I couldn't golf. (laughs) Still got this giant red line across his face. (laughs) And it was funny. And, like, I know it's kind of a lighthearted take, but I'll never forget this moment because about 30 minutes later, we're sitting there. And even though this happened, even though, you know, we have a pretty good relationship, in that moment after that happened, it was like there was a wall. I wasn't talking to him. He wasn't talking to me. We were in the same room, but we weren't really in the same room. And so about, finally, after about 30 minutes, there's this wall of just, it's there. And he looks at me and he says, RJ, RJ, uh, I'm sorry for calling you a jerk. I was completely out of line. Will you forgive me? I'm like, yeah, Dad, you didn't have to say that. You know, it was my fault. I'm sorry, forgive me for throwing that. He's like, yeah, we're good. And you know what that simple moment did? It brought down this wall in an instant. And we went from ignoring each other and kind of just being there but not being there with each other to now laughing about it. Like, man, Dad, that wealth is pretty huge. And you know what? Even he's going to listen to this podcast or listen to this online later this week. and He's probably going to call me and be like, RJ, I can't believe you told that story. Man, that is crazy. I still remember that wealth popping up out of my face. Like, we're going to laugh about it because there's the power of forgiveness. And even in the moment, like, he wanted to make sure I knew. And it's kind of a lighthearted moment, but really it's a, it's a serious moment and it applies to all of us. He wanted to make sure in that moment I knew we are not going to carry a grudge moving forward. We are not going to let this wall build until it gets out of control and we look at each other and we, like, we think, what happened? Man, we don't have that relationship anymore. On the spot, he repaired it. Forgiveness has the power to repair a relationship. Has the power to repair a relationship. Unforgiveness can eat us up from the inside out, or we can choose to lay it aside and ask the Lord to repair it. Number two, uh, this uh, re- or forgiveness has the power to restore a relationship with God. Restores relationship with God. Um, Matthew six fourteen again. Let's let's just read this one more time, real quick. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Man, the Bible is clear, and it's not just in Matthew, it's also in Mark, and it's in Ephesians, and it's in several other places that that says God's forgiveness for us is tied to how we're willing to forgive those around us. 
See, it's easy for us to think that forgiveness isn't that big of a deal, that holding on to this isn't really all that bad because everybody does it. But you got to understand, forgiveness is so huge that God died for it. He died for it. He died on the cross so you and I could have forgiveness and be with him in heaven. But here's the thing that I love about Jesus. Jesus not only commands it, but he demonstrated it in one of the most unlikeliest places. See, our God isn't just a God that tells us things, but he lives it out. When he says to forgive those who hurt you and persecute you and to turn the other cheek, when he was hanging there, beaten beyond recognition, bruised, crown of thorns or put into his head and nails nailed to a cross while he's there in the middle of his murder, you know what his very first words on the cross were? Father, forgive them. In the middle of the hurt, in the middle of the offense, in the middle of the pain, right there in the middle of it. It's like in that moment, Jesus seems to feel the hurt that these people were doing to their own souls more than the hurt of the cross. Lord, forgive them. And if Jesus can forgive people in that moment, in the middle of them murdering him, knowing that he was going to die, doesn't it make sense that you and I can choose to lay aside some of our hurts, some of our offenses, and some of our unforgiveness? Because literally, if we can't forgive someone and we hold on to unforgiveness, God can't forgive us. And it's literally killing us. It's like we're holding our breath, trying to prove a point, but the only person that's hurting is us. Jesus talks a lot about unforgiveness. Matthew 18, Peter comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? Seven times? And Jesus says, how about 70 times seven times? How about as many times as they can hurt you in a day? you got to forgive them. And then after that, he tells us a story uh, that I think is an awesome story. There was a king who called up all of his debts. And so one of his, a person, somebody came to the king and said, uh, king, I can't pay you. I owe you millions and millions of dollars, and you're calling up this debt, and the king was ready to sell him, sell his family, and sell all of his stuff to repay this debt. Uh, but this man got down on his knees and said, please, king, just give me a little more time. Please, uh, please just spare me and my family. And the king was moved by the, in that moment by this man. And he said, you know what? Your debt is forgiven. And so this man who just had millions of dollars of debt forgiven, it says that he goes back to his place finds one of his servants, goes up to him, grabs him by the throat, and says, I demand you pay me what's due owed me right now. And his servant said this exact same thing. He said, please, sir, just give me a few more, a little more time. I can pay it off, but just give me more time. Please have mercy on me. But the Bible says that he did not have mercy. Instead, he threw him into a debtor's prison where he had to work to pay off that debt. And in the story, Jesus, or it says that word got back to the king. Word got back to the king that, hey, that guy that you forgave millions of dollars of debt, he just threw somebody in, in prison for them owing him a couple thousand dollars. And the king got angry. And the king went to that man and said, I forgave you such a large debt, and yet you couldn't even forgive someone this small thing. He said, so here's what I'm going to do. Take them out of prison. I'm going to put you in prison. And this is how the story ends. It says, where you will be tortured until your debt is repaid. And then the, the conclusion of that, the very last verse in Matthew 18 says, Jesus says, this is what my heavenly father will do to those who refuse to forgive their brothers and sisters. See, when we look at forgiveness, when we look at this whole thing, we think, you know what, they wronged me and they have a right to be in prison. But what gets me about this story is you don't understand by choosing not to forgive, you're actually putting yourself 
in prison, just like that man did. He thought I was holding him in prison because he owes me, but he was the one stuck in chains. Forgiveness is not for you, it's, or, not for, or forgiveness is for you, it's not for the other person. It's for you. See, when you get a little bit older and wiser, you realize that forgiveness chooses to set the prisoner free, but as you grow wiser, you learn that the prisoner you set free was really yourself. That's forgiveness. And I know there are some major offenses. I know there are some really horrible things that people have done to one another. See, how can I lay it aside? See, you know, sometimes I, I just don't know. But would you come to the point where you can pray? you can go to God about it. It's not easy, but it is a choice. Sometimes forgiveness is a conversation. Sometimes it's just a prayer, but it always is a choice that we have to make. I wanna share with you just one last story that really illustrates the power of forgiveness. Um, there was a girl named Molly coming home from college. And on the middle, on her way home, her car broke down and it was late and it was dark. She didn't want to worry her parents, so instead of calling them, she started flagging down some people and eventually some headlights came to a stop and two men came out and said, hey, we'll give you a ride, jump in. So they, she jumps into their truck and they start driving towards the town and then after a couple of minutes, their attitude began to change. They pull off the main highway onto a deserted road and she feels knots in her stomach and says, hey, where are we going? And they just looked at each other with this grin saying, you'll see. And the details really are just too horrible to explain, but they took her to a, a wooded, secluded area where they pulled her from the truck, took her back into the, the woods where they took turns physically and sexually abusing her to the point where they left her lifeless body there as they ran back giggling in e evilish glee back to their truck. Molly knew that those men thought that she was gonna die. And she said, the only way I knew that I was going to survive is if I could crawl back to the highway. So she crawled for two hours. She crawled back to the highway and she got there and cars are driving by and she's lifting herself up, putting her arm out, trying to wave down a car when finally she waves down a car. A car stops and she's saved. But in twisted irony, she hears an all too familiar voice from one of those two men say, I guess she's a little tougher than we thought. Let's take her back and finish the job. So for a second time, they take her back and do the exact same thing. This time leaving her, her bleeding and unconscious right out there on the verge of death. And around this time, her parents were worrying and putting out word that, that their daughter is missing. And so police, and there's a massive search party just looking. They found her abandoned car, and so they keep looking and searching. And at 4 a.m., they found Molly's lifeless body. It was a race against time. And they, the ambulance, they took her to the hospital, and, and she was just on the verge of death. But three days later, she opened her eyes for the very first time. She said, when I opened my eyes, I heard my dad and my doctor talking, and the doctor said, uh, you know, it's unbelievable, but she'll recover completely from the physical trauma. But the emotional trauma that takes place around a situation like this could take years and years to repair. You might want to have her talk to a counselor. And Molly just simply uttered, she said, Lord, I need your help. See, she knew in that moment to go to the master physician, because there was also somebody who was beaten hung and left to die that could relate to her. 
Four days later, a counselor shows up, and the counselor walks in and starts talking to her and uh, starts saying, listen, Molly, I'm just here to talk to you because I know there's lots of emotions. I know you probably hate these guys for what they did to you, but I want you to know they're, they're caught, and they're going to get the jail time that's due. But as he continues to talk and, and tell her that he's just here to, to just be, I'm just ready for whenever you want us to just talk about what happened because I know it's crazy, he said, but if these feelings go unchecked, the bitterness, anger, and resentment can literally just eat you up on the, from the inside out. And Molly said, yeah, I know. And he's like, what? <laughs> Puzzled. She said, see, I'm a Christian and I know the power of forgiveness. And the doctor sat there stumped like time froze. He had no idea what to say. And I think sometimes a human can make such an inhuman choice that it's almost like all of heaven leans down just to hear a little bit. And what she said next was very profound. She said, you see, I let those men steal one night of my life and I don't intend to give them another. the power of forgiveness. Molly had it. Christ commands it. And why would Christ command us to forgive people even when we live in a world that's full of hurts like that one every day? Because your loving Heavenly Father knows this truth, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die from it one of my favorite quotes on unforgiveness. It's like drinking a poison and hoping that that person dies, but really you're just hurting yourself in the process. And tonight, maybe you're here, or today maybe you're here, and you're just holding on to one of these boxes. You're just holding on to it. Instead of laying it aside, you're storing it up. What are you holding on to? Just like the storeroom that's full of stuff that we should have got rid of a long time ago. What are you holding on to in your life that you should have got rid of a long time ago? Did you know forgiveness has the power? It can restore relationship with family. It can restore your relationship with God. It is a powerful, powerful thing. But maybe you're here today and you need to forgive someone. Maybe you're here today and you need to ask and apologize. You need to apologize and ask them to forgive you. But what is it today that you need to do? What does the other side of forgiveness look like? for you, but don't go another day carrying this with you. It's time to lay it aside. Will you stand with me all across this place? I believe the Lord wants to just take a few minutes, because I think there's some of us that, that there are some people that have hurt us deeply, and we're holding on to some of this anger. We're holding on to some bitterness. We're holding on to some resentment, and we may even think that we have a right to do so, but God is telling you, and today I'm begging, would you please learn to get to the place, and maybe it's just that test of, of can I pray for them to be blessed, but maybe today for the first time you need to pray for God to bless them instead of saying a negative word about them. But today forgiveness can be yours. Let's pray. Lord, we just love you. God, I pray no matter where we're at today that we would just learn to walk in forgiveness. God, no matter what we're holding on to today, I pray that as hard as it is, we would learn to lay it aside and forgive. Lord, instead of picking up this hurt, picking up this anger, instead of going back to that old box and looking through it and feeling those same old emotions of anger and resentment and hurt and pain. So God, today we give it up to you. We say, God, you are in control, not the person who hurt me. So God, today I choose to lay it aside. 
We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to connect with us, or if you want more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com.